Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Mike Wise Show, our guest is a man who played on seven different NBA teams, was the former deputy executive director of the NBA Players Association, and is the former president and commissioner of the Big Three. And he's standing by. But first, Darlene, do your thing! The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And, oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise-ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? Darlene, that is correct. Thank you so much for uh, being with us again this week. Roger Mason is my guest. Uh, look, this is a guy who I've known for a long time since he played with the Wizards. He's obviously DC's own in many ways. We'll get to that later. Welcome to the program. I can't believe I haven't had you on, by the way. I've had everybody and their mom on in the last year and three months, and I've not had you, who's one of my <laughs> not just favorite players, but favorite people. No, I appreciate you having me. We're, we're long overdue. We are, man, but it's great to be on. Yeah, and we're recording this on Easter Sunday. The fact that you're even making time for me, I got three little ones between, I'm an old dad, between nine and two. I'm sure you have your own that, you know, doing the baskets, everything today, and, and, and you got to deal with that. Yeah, no, definitely. I got a boy and a girl, seven and eight, but, uh, but I'll make time for you, man. You're my guy. Anytime. <laughs> Um, I got to know Roger Mason Jr. in Washington, D.C. when he was with the Wizards, one of seven teams he played for professionally. I um, I always remember him because of all the people I and, and I don't I hope you're not I hope I don't embarrass you. But so many so many players, even when I wrote Shaquille O'Neal's autobiography, I love Shaq. Don't make get me wrong. But there's going to be never any equity in our relationship. Like I'll remember his birthday. He won't remember mine. It's just how it is. He's big time. Roger Mason, Jr. <laughs> Roger Mason Jr. I still remember um, my, I literally, my dog falls through the ice. I go in after her. I almost drowned myself. This kid gets me out and I write a story, a long magazine article in the Washington post about it. And Roger Mason Jr. Literally gets me in the tunnel under the Capital One arena before Wizards game and goes, hey, man, I read that story about you and your dog. You okay? <laughs> and I was like, wow. <laughs> wow, a, play, a player's got time to read the Washington Post magazine on his day off? I, 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 after you, you, you had me right then, man, I got to say. <laughs> so, yeah, no, do you remember that? I do. I do. Yeah. I do remember that, actually. Yeah. Did you, you, did you enjoy playing in Washington? It's a dream come true for me. You know, yeah. I, I um, and I'm writing my book right now. It's it's been a it's been a treat writing it. But one of the things I, I've ta always talked about is as a kid going to Capitol Center with my father. That's when I really fell in love with the game of basketball. So to be able to come back 
and play for your hometown team. And of course I played for the Virginia Cavaliers. So it was, it was a great experience, you know, one that I'll cherish forever. Yeah. No, I, um, if people aren't familiar with your, um, with your story, it's one of the best stories uh, that I've ever been associated with. You lived in Silver Spring, Spring, Maryland. You, um, you went to Sidwell Friends School. I was going to ask you, I want to say that Kara Lawson was like the same class as you. Were you guys? Kara and I were the same class. We we came in in middle school. She left before high school. I spent my first year of high school there at Sidwell. Um, and then I transferred. But we were there together for a few years. That's great. And you remember her and you guys you guys talk now. Yeah. Oh, we were, I remember I remember very fondly. You know, we kind of stood out because we were, uh, you know, that school is really an academic school. We were the two folks. That uh, that were playing sports and that that had a pretty good chance, but you know now Sidwell's doing obviously a lot better. But uh, I remember Kara very well uh, in our in our middle school and high school days. Roger Mason was what I would call a journeyman at, at some point. I, well, that's actually I hate that word. I would say a key role player on some very good teams, if I don't mind saying. Uh, the, uh, he was with the Heat, the New Orleans Hornets, the Wizards, the Knicks, and of course, you remember him with the San Antonio Spurs. Um, I, I I look back on your career. Look, you weren't the biggest guy, but tenacity on defense, and then you started knocking down that three all the time, and it was you had a career all of a sudden. Yeah, you know, I stuck with it. You know, uh, definitely wasn't a, a guy that was seven foot or dunking on people, but, you know, I put a lot of work in, tried to outwork folks. And uh, I was fortunate to have an 11 year career, seven different teams, a uh, year and a half overseas. So as I look back on my career, I'm very thankful. Um, please inform people of your personal story. Your your father, Roger Mason senior was a, I believe he was a physician in town and tell, yeah. tell people what happened and, and, and who became your stepfather. Cause I think it's a, a really good story. Yeah, no. So I grew up in DC, was born at Howard university, real close to the, to the uh, capital one arena. And my dad got sick quickly. He was an ophthalmologist, ran the ophthalmology department at, uh, at Howard hospital and died when I was 10 and a half. Um, mm. And so uh, for a few years, you know, we I was without a stepfather, but my mother ended up remarrying uh, Otis Wansley, who uh, who happened to have played in the NFL. So running back up, for Washington. Yeah, yeah, and I was already a big Redskins fan. So yeah. uh, growing up in high school and and having a stepfather who had made it pro uh, was definitely a, a blessing for me to be able to kind of talk to him and, and figure out what life like a pro was like. Was he was he always cognizant of the fact that you you had a father before him and that you still loved and and you could remember and um in different ways was he good about that he was very very respectful of that mm. you know i i share the same name as my dad and uh it's no no secret that we as a family honored my father uh with him dying so young but i thought he he did a really good job as i as i look back now and i'm and i'm a man and grown with my own kids uh he he was very respectful of that mm. Uh, Roger Mason Jr., once again, he's from D.C., but since he's worked for the NBPA uh, a while back, he's been in, te- he's been in Tenafly, New Jersey for a while. I, I, you, you've seen all this, and I heard you on a recent show, uh, and maybe it was Sirius or something. You've seen everything that's happened with the NBA. One, I'm, I, I'm, I mean, it's, it's a blessing in disguise. It's extremely reassuring when people say NBA family and you've covered the league for so long. 
you you see all you see how big the NBA was in this. Not just because the Rudy Gobert testing positive really got not just the NBA going, but American society, but just the guys who have come forward and been vulnerable enough to say, yeah, I got it. It's not the worst thing in the world, but be careful. Wash your hand. Like the, the notion that the NBA has been a, almost a societal leader in this global pandemic is to me is just huge. Absolutely. And uh, I, my hat's off to Adam. My hat's off to all the players that, that stepped up and, and, and led the way. I mean, at the end of the day, when the NBA canceled the season, I have a lot of friends that, that called me and reached out, and they're like, okay, this thing must be serious, right? Mm-hmm. So, and the NBA was the first league to really jump out there, and then, of course, the NCAA and, and some of the others. But, you know, Adam and, and the owners and the players, I mean, they understand that their role in society stands bigger than just entertaining folks. And um, and I think this is a prime example, you know, uh, of of this being an opportunity to to kind of say, look, this thing is serious. Uh, yes, we can get through it, but you got to take it serious. And they suspended the league, and and I think everybody took note of that. Yeah, it, I think it was it one front and center. And once they did it, everybody followed suit and realized that it was time for sports to stand down. And it really has. Do you see? Do you see a season at all this year? My gut tells me no. Um, I think that they get going maybe in October or something, maybe a late training camp, and maybe they even start the season a little late. But I cannot see them finishing this season. I might be wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm just wondering where you're coming from. Yeah, so my my reason and just seeing what's going on right now, it tells me no. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, optim- my optimism um, tells me yes. And, and also understanding – you know, I talked to Michelle Roberts, who's the, the head of the Players yeah. Association often and talked to enough players and, and league officials to know everybody wants to get back, obviously. Um, and so there's some optimism there. But, you know, I, I think it's really – you're going to find out a lot over the next couple of weeks to see how this thing goes and if we can really uh, kind of get it in control. If that happens, there's a shot. But, you know, at the back of my mind, I wonder – you know, is, is this season lost? And, and I'm kind of thinking that it is. Yeah. And I it's, almost feel like, you know, people always say put an asterisk on a, on a year. I almost feel like putting an asterisk on the world. 2020. <laughs> just gets Tell an me asterisk. about it. I Tell mean, me crazy. It. Tell me about it. I did not see this coming. I guess, you know, I, once you started hearing about it, you thought, Oh, this, this could be bad, but I, uh, just to shut down our society like this, it's nuts. What other than you know you're being in a hot spot? What do you do on a daily basis? Like, and before I go any further, I, I should tell people um, for the last few years you've been the chief executive of Vaunt, a sports and entertainment IP development and content uh, company. Uh, how are you even? Is is that something you can do from home, Skype? Yeah, well, actually, for for us at Vaunt, it's, it's a lot easier than you would think. You know, a lot of our stuff is remote. Uh, a lot of Zoom meetings, a lot of conference calls, um, a lot of turning into the role of professor, teacher with my kids and homeschool. So I got a, I got enough time. <laughs> I got enough roles in my house right now. Uh, but but in all seriousness, you know, we're, we're building what I think is going to be a great company. You got some great investors and um, our partnership with the NBA Players Association is, has been amazing. And trying to create value for players is uh, kind of something that I've always had a passion for. So. Uh, we're keeping busy. No, I, I one of my favorite um, stories about the old days, and 
I was I was fascinated even when I was covering the Knicks at the New York Times and later the NBA was Billy Hunter, man. He irrespective of his end with the NBA players union, he was such a busy guy and he was so passionate about the the the, the players. I feel like the of all the of all the unions, and Major League Baseball also because they've gotten their players such incredible financial deals. I feel like the players union's done a great job with the legends and taking care of them. I mean, every time I go to the all-star game, my favorite, I know I'm older now, but my favorite thing to do is go to the legends brunch on Sunday. It's incredible. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great thing. And, and hats off to, you know, Tony is a, is a good friend, the, the head of the MLBPA. And of mm. course my time with Michelle Roberts, you know, one of our biggest accomplishments together uh, while I was there is is creating health care for all former players. It's, it's the one accomplishment in my life that I'm most proud of. You know, when you look at that new TV deal that, that allowed NBA players to make those new contracts, you know, we came to the executive committee and said, look, you know, these these legends from the past are the reason why these contracts are as big as they are now. And what better way to say thank you to the guys that paved the way than to creating you know, healthcare for all former players that have played three years or more. And, and we got that ratified, the NBA joined in and, and uh, currently it's, that's the case. You know, if you play three years or more, you're covered for life. If you play 10 years or more, you and your family are covered for not for life. And uh, certainly the, the biggest accomplishment of our, of our uh, time at the PA together. Yeah. It, it, I, and I, I know firsthand how this works because uh, I, I really befriended Earl Monroe and talking about the retired players about 15 years ago. And, you know, he just admitted to me, look, I, I know I was the pearl, but I ran out of money and I literally had to, I had to borrow money to make sure I took care of my body and got my diabetes taken care of and everything. And, and what you guys have done for him and so many other guys, I mean, God bless America. I wish I, I know the NFL, it's more of a, logistics problem with all the numbers i still man if they ever did anything with all the billions they take in it'd be great if they did the same thing the the, the lawsuits would stop the um the, the the divide between their former players and the league would stop and it's too bad they can't do what you did for the retired players of the nba yeah well hopefully they they see you know what we what we did do and, and we can be leaders in that regard but um it's just really i can't tell you how many former players uh approach me approach michelle approach the players because they're the ones that get the credit for it. you know those are the ones that decided to move forward with it uh starting with chris paul and the executive committee so uh great thing to do hopefully the nfl uh takes some cues from that one of the jobs that i applied for over the last few years you probably didn't even know about this was i was trying to get a gig with the big three where I was kind of the Rappaport guy, but I was actually like doing the, the, the emotional stuff. And of course it never came to fruition. And I'm glad it didn't because you had an spat, you, you were into the big three for a while and obviously things are cleared up now. That was not a good experience for you. You know, I, I wouldn't say that. It was a great experience. You know, I, I launched the league and just the experience with, you know, taking it from scratch, you know, I created the whole, uh, the rules, the, I created a, the, the combine and sponsorship and just that experience was once, a, once in a lifetime. Um, so, I, you know, I wouldn't trade that. You know, you have good partners, bad partners, indifferent. You get along, you don't get along. And, and it didn't work out at the time. 
Um, it was unfortunate that it had to play out the way that it did, but in the end, it all worked out. Uh, everything got cleared up, and and um, as I look back on it, I still look back on it fondly. Uh, I don't think it, the ending was necessary, but it happened. Mm. And uh, at the end of the day, I wish those guys well. Do you think that league survives with uh, not just because you're out of it, anymore, but do you think that league survives post coronavirus and what's going to happen going forward? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I, I have no involvement, so I, mm. I have no idea what what's going on there. You know, I hope it does. Uh, it's a great opportunity for former players that still have a platform to play. And uh, obviously we've all just seen what happened with the XFL and uh, they, you know, it remains to be seen if they make, it doesn't look like, you know, mm -hmm. they have plans for a 2021 season. So you yeah. don't know, man, this coronavirus has really impacted all kinds of businesses and, and no, no business is really exempt from that. So I think, yeah. I think, uh, you know, it remains to be seen, but I hope it works out for them. Well, the big three now knows how I roll. I roll with you. And if if Ice Cube wants to get all up in here, I'll go with it. I'll go. I, I don't care. He thinks he thinks Suge brought it. He thinks Suge Knight brought it. We'll wait till you come on down. Come on down, my friend. <laughs> oh God, I had to say that. I, I you know Cube won't even come on the podcast, uh, and I'm I'm upset about it. But that's all right. I'm gonna let it go because I don't need him anymore. I just don't. Um, well, you let me you let me know anytime you want me on your podcast. I'll be there anytime. <laughs> uh, Roger Mason Jr. joining me for a few minutes. Um, it's a holiday weekend. You spent time in the Holy Land playing pro ball in Israel. Did you know Tamir Goodman at all? The Jewish short. I, I I did. I did. I you know we grew up in Maryland. Uh, Tamir was a Jewish Jordan back That's when right. I was in high school. Um, got a chance to know him. Uh, got a chance to uh, really stay in touch with him with my time playing in Jerusalem. And actually, funny you say that, I'm I'm supposed to be a, a speaker at his camp this year in Jerusalem. Oh, that's so, tremendous. You know, so let's see if it still happens. You know, I'm hoping it does, you know, late July. But uh, yeah. I'm scheduled to be flying over to Jerusalem and speak to some kids over there and, and to do some clinics with them. Oh, that's great. Man, you talk about, like, uh, all the six degrees is something. You know, we had him on. And then sure enough, uh, you know, Michael Sweetney, he comes on and, you know, he's so honest about going through depression and all the things he and all the things he went through in his own life. And yet now he's Tamir Goodman helps get him two jobs coaching in New York at Jewish schools. Yeshiva. How about that? I know it's just a great story. And, you know, we start talking about like, God, man, the, the bond that Jews and African-Americans have formed over basketball and their mutual love of the game and life, man, it's just, you can't, you can't put a price on it. I mean, it's unbelievable. Absolutely. It, it really is. And, and some of my closest and dearest friends are, are Jewish. And I, my time in Israel, you know, changed my life, you know, living mm. in Jerusalem in the Holy land back in 2005, Mike, when there wasn't high speed internet, there wasn't, you know, Twitter and Instagram, where you could stay, you know, and engage with what's going on in the States. And so I really dove in and, and had my Shabbat dinners and had families that really looked out for me. And uh, it was just a great experience. That's tremendous. And that was, yeah, that was before you came to the Wizards. Now I remember. It was. And, uh, it's, yeah, what, what, a, how much the game has done for you. Um, I, look, I'd be silly if I'd be remiss if I didn't ask a couple basketball questions, even though we're in a much different place now. So you played for the Heat. Uh, you know, can you compare, can you compare and contrast Riles and Pop 
two guys that lorded over their both two different organizations, both successful, both hard as nails. Is is there any way that, that you know they they obviously run in the same world? What what do you remember about both? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I played for seven teams, but by far the two teams with the the most similar uh, locker rooms and culture uh, was the Spurs and the Heat. And, you know, although Riley wasn't a coach, you, you felt him, you, you, you knew he was there, and his culture was uh, all, his imprints were all over that organization. No, I, I just think that the way that they run their teams, uh, the sense of family, uh, the sense of, you know, team before I, uh, championship pedigree. And um, it was a real pleasure uh, playing for the Miami Heat and Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, Mickey mm. Arison, it was a pleasure. You know, it, it was such a pleasure that I retired after I left there. Just because <laughs> it, it, it was like, you know, you know what, this was, this was it. And, I, of course, I started my executive career with the Players Association afterwards. But uh, Coach Riley and Coach Popovich, so many similarities. You know, Coach Pop, I uh, played two years for him. I started uh, the first years of my career with the San Antonio Spurs. And understanding, you know, what it takes from the top down understanding what culture is really about, what a team is really about. You know, they showed me so much. And coming from a Wizards locker room, uh, that, that no shade on the Wizards because it's my hometown team, but coming from a locker room in 2007 uh, with Gil and, 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 and with, you know, the cast mm. of characters that we had oh. to, then, to then going to the Spurs. I mean, just imagine oh. that change. <laughs> you know, it was You're going uh, JV, JV to high school, basically. Junior high to high school. I mean, that's that's that that was. I mean, you know, I don't want to say that locker room was run by the knuckleheads, but those guys were. You know, they were the, the best players on the team. Um, the best player on the team was was growing up in life still in many ways, and you know, and, and when that's your leader and the organization enables him to be your leader like that you run into what you ran into there 100 percent, 100 percent. and you know i i saw firsthand um you know how differences in culture can impact winning and we had all the talent in the world in washington but what we didn't have was accountability and uh you know and and that was evident you know it's it's it's, it was uh the bottom line and, and going to san antonio where Coach Popovich, whether you're the star player and you're Tim Duncan or you're the 15th man on the roster, he was going to hold you accountable regardless. Yeah. And it didn't matter. And he had the backing of ownership, had the backing of uh, general manager, and, and he happened to be the president. <laughs> so <laughs> at the end of the day, you knew it all started and stopped with Pop. And um, he didn't care if you were a guy making $30 million a year or a guy on the minimum. Uh, he was going to hold you accountable the same. And I think that's why – They've had the, the amount of success and respect that they've had over the years. God, and the Wizards were, if they weren't close, you were there during the, what I would call Gilbert's halcyon days where he, it, when he got hurt in 2007, he was like, the, everybody said he was like in the MVP running for, with LeBron and Dwayne Wade. He was having that kind of season. And to see it spiral out of control like that, it, I don't know. It, it was hard for me because I was in town, but, you had to watch from afar and go, oh, man, I can't believe this. It was tough to watch because, you know, a few things. One, Gilbert is, you know, a generational talent. You yes. Know, when you think about him as a, as a talent and a player, 
you know, not a lot of guys had the talent that he had. But even outside of that, you know, he was actually a great guy. Um, yeah. You know, quirky, but really a good person. And um, just needed a little bit of guidance, needed a little bit of leadership, needed somebody to kind of help tell him, you know, what's going on, you know, and, and, and that life is more than just the locker room. So I hated to see it because uh, that's a guy that should have been a Hall of Famer. He should have. He sh- his jersey should have been hanging in that arena. Any any anecdotes that really stand out during your time in Washington that really stand, anything that really either told you what everything was about or something that really happened that you said, okay, we're not ready yet? Yeah, you know, I, I just, you know, I remember our locker room with a, a young Andre Blatch, a young <laughs> Nick Young, who, who's now Swaggy P. Gilbert, um, Karan, you know, we had Brendan Haywood, Tom Thomas. We had a locker room full of big personalities. You know, yes. I've never had a locker room like that. You know, and I talked to Brendan Haywood, and 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 we're going to talk actually tomorrow. But you know, we both we both admitted. I mean, we've never had a locker room with a collection of characters and personalities like we had in Washington during those years. And, uh, you know, it's, it's things that we couldn't kind of put it together on the court. We ran up to LeBron, you know, two, three years in a row. But, um, but you know, now we, we all kind of laugh and look back on it. But, you know, a little bit of a bitter taste because, you know, with the talent we had, uh, mm-hmm. I, I wish we could have gone a little bit further than we did. Yeah. Um, did you do you have any feelings about when Kobe passed? It's, it seems like a lifetime ago because this the coronavirus has taken over our world. But I, I just like between that and David Stern, it just and, and the season being canceled. Uh, I mean, it just what what a year. And uh, and I know you played against him a lot. I did, you know, as a competitor, as a fan, even before I made it to the NBA. You know, you look up to a guy like that um, oh. with the talent he had and, and with the, the drive and, 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 and all of those things. For me, like it was more about him as a dad. Everyone thinks about Kobe and this this uh, competitor and the competitiveness that he had, and, and him as, a, as such a great finisher and, and clutch basketball player. But what really hurt me with with his passing was just with him as a father, and you know, with me having two small kids and seeing the way that he was with his children and how he had transitioned. And I'm big on you know, helping guys with their transition from the game. And, and of course, that guy didn't need any. You know, he got yeah. an Oscar. Uh, he's like the father of the year. And so um, seeing that tragedy happen, it you know, it impacted us as, as former players, as, as teammates, as competitors against Kobe, um, but more so as fathers. It, you know, that's where the impact was tremendous because, you know, now he's got those girls growing out without a dad and, and seeing how he was. Um, especially for somebody that lost a dad early, it really impacted me. Oh yeah, I didn't even think of that. Um, when I, I look, I, um, my producer Bruce Bernstein, Jewish, he he asked me. Uh, he said he's going to send the podcast to Tamir because he came on our program not too long ago, and he said, um, said does Roger Mason Jr. wear number eighteen for the Hebrew sign of life? Well, it's uh, <laughs> it's very intuitive for you to think that because uh, yeah, man, I. I that's cool. It, it was a it was a life changing experience for me, and um uh, and I changed my number to eight when I moved from Jerusalem back to D.C. to play with the Wizards because it was a new beginning for me, and eight in the Bible represents new beginning. 
And uh, with the Knicks, eight was taken by Danilo Gallinero. And so I said, well, how else has, has Israel impacted me? And so I chose 18 because of that. I mean, I have a son that's nine. He loves the game. I feel like I'm too hard on him sometimes. Do you have any advice <clears throat> for a father who wants, wants to encourage his son to be as good as he can, but also um, wants him to enjoy the game and not burn out on it? If you, if you had any advice, because I know you got young yeah. a boy yeah. and a girl, right? Eight and seven. Yeah, no, I'm faced with the same challenge. We got to gamify, gamify mm. things for our kids in, in a way that they can they can understand and meet them where they are. So that's what I try to do. You know, I try not to push the game on him, but I incentivize him that if it's something that he wants to do, I incentivize him to, to strive to work harder towards the goal of getting better. Um, and we got to get creative with it. Um, and, I, and I've done that at times, but that would be my advice is, is gamify it. Don't push it on him. Um, but try to try to meet him where he is and, and, and reach him where he is. I, I hope to talk to you uh, again soon. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys for having me. And Mike, anytime, just uh, yeah. let me know. Roger, when you get back to D.C. and we actually can meet in person, I want to I make sure I get you some food. Yeah, let's, let's do that. And uh, when my book comes out, I'd love to come back on and talk about it. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. I'd like to thank Roger Mason Jr. for sharing his time and wisdom this week. Please check out our other Pure Hoops media shows. Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams as college hoop maven Jeff Goodman this week. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong has newly minted Hall of Famer Rudy Tomjanovich. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt as a Pure Hoops roundtable discussing hoops life in the time of the pandemic. And B.J. Armstrong and Eric Newman have former player coach and executive Dave Wall this week. Please listen, download, give us a five-star review, and enjoy. And please say a prayer for our healthcare professionals. They're truly our modern-day superheroes. Wash your hands, continue to practice physical distancing, and treat everyone like a cherished teammate. I'll be back with the show next Monday. Until then, peace! The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise-Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.